This podcast is brought to you by Eversage Law Practice. Seasons greetings and happy new year everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Nugget. We experienced two dark weeks over the holidays to give the team a chance to relax and regroup with their families. This year we are starting up again by delving into the tech industry and because we only had two weeks of finance month we'll be starting with fintech. So as always we're going to start with the facts. Did you know that nearly 2.5 billion users access electronic retail banking services worldwide? According to Juniper Research, almost a third of the world's population accesses their banking services through their computers, smartwatches, tablets, and smartphones. And this number is expected to increase to 4.2 billion by 2026. According to restofworld.org, in Nigeria alone, digital payments have surged more than fivefold since 2014, hitting 105 trillion naira by 2019. With unicorns like Paystack and Flutterwave making it increasingly easy to make payments and conduct transactions online, these figures are certainly expected to increase. Today's guest has been fortunate enough to be on the positive side of Nigeria's tech boom. We have with us today Aki Jones, CEO of Ella Credit. Ella Credit is a short-term microloan money lending platform. Its main goal is to create financial access and inclusion to emerging markets through the use of advanced technology. We were very excited that Aki was able to take time out of his very busy schedule to talk to us. This podcast is brought to you by Eversage Law Practice. So thank you for coming on the show. I'm glad to be here. So tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, my name is Akin Jones. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ella App, formerly known as Ella Credit. So you say Ella? Yes, Ella. We keep the A silent. Um, I have been saying Ella. Yeah, most people do. <laughs> <laughs> so we keep the A silent. Okay. A, we like to pronounce it Ella. Um, okay. Ella App. Um, we are a fintech. Uh, for those who've never heard of us, uh, we were we can pretty much proudly say we're the first digital lender in the country. We gave out okay. the first set of digital loans in Nigeria uh, in about 2015 when everyone thought it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And you know, no, you know, yeah. we're not necessarily a household name, but you know, we have close to two million users, so we're not complaining. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. Yeah. So, what inspired you to create Ella Credit? Um, you know, I think the inspiration came from, there was just, no one was getting loans. Uh, you know, I was, it was 2014, 15, nobody in the market was giving loans. Uh, the big banks weren't giving loans. And it wasn't because they were, just didn't want to give loans. There was just no real credit risk systems around that. And it just wasn't worth it for them. You know, you, you know, why would you set up a branch to give out 5K loans, 10K mm. loans, 50K loans? You know, when you can give out- Microfinance banks? Ex- uh, yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, if you look at it now, most of the microfinance banks in the country have failed. You know, most of them have gone under. Um, you know, I, I think at some point there were 850 microfinance banks uh, and about 500 have gone under. Um, so quite a few. Um, and so, you know, what we're seeing is that a lot of those models aren't working or, or just didn't work because of the cost structure. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time I have to set up this branch, hire all these people mm-hmm. uh, without digitization, it just was bound to fail. So, you know, the trick was how do you turn your mobile phone into a bank? How, how does someone, how, you know, back then, how can someone go online, 
and you know do all their banking transactions in the flip of a finger and you know I mean everyone's doing that now now yeah but yeah. back you know in 2015 it was it was, it was not a lot of people trusted uh, right. in that, that is true. you know the question and then everyone laughed at it they said oh so you don't know this person this guy's just going to come online uh, come on your app and uh, borrow money of course he's going to disappear <laughs> uh, and you know and you know thank god for one thing that happened it was the BVN you know well, the BVN okay. was one of the great even though I'll tell you Things have changed on that level now, but back then, the BVN was such a magical thing. And I think that was a eureka moment for myself. Um, when the BVN was launched, you know, we knew that this was going to be a big opportunity because okay. um, identity verification was the biggest problem okay. um, when it came to risk management. So if I could verify who you were and I could, you know, um, find out some proof of life that you are who you say you are, then... I can attempt to give you a loan, and then that's you, all you need. Yeah, so you proof know, proof of life, proof of life, mobile phone data. So you know, uh, that's changed too. A lot of things have changed over the last couple of years. But you know, getting access to your mobile phone, understanding your habits, mm -hmm. uh, and trying to create our own alternative credit scoring mechanism mm -hmm. um, was very key. So you know, so first I, I verified your identity. Uh, second, I, you know, with Amazon, um, we have we have a partnership with AWS where we um, can use facial recognition technology to verify that you are who you say you are. And you know, and thirdly, your mobile phone data uh, can give us a, uh, some kind of sense of, some kind of credit score, or uh, you know, of you know, what you do, where you go, do you move from point A to point B? That can kind of give us some kind of, oh, that means this guy is going to work. We can try and guesstimate and use data science to extrapolate some kind of credit score. And then now with the advent of a lot of us like, like ourselves getting banking licenses, uh, we can also now dig deeper into like your banking and your financial data and create a more robust credit score for the individual. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been said that traditionally financial products from most banking institutions are elitist in the sense that they are not available to a certain population. And what we've seen from what we... Um, went ahead and did some research on Ella Credit, we saw that your target market is, you know, the people that are out of reach from these banks. Now, do you, in your opinion, do you feel like over the years that is something that you've been able to address to some extent, like the unbanked or the people that are unable to get loans? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, you know, for years, no one was given, you know, um, loans to a certain cater of people, like, you know, like... Uh, if you didn't, we give loans to a lot of people. To like, basically, you, all you need is a phone and some sort of employment verification, and you're gonna get a loan. So, and so that's the criteria. Yeah. All you need is a phone. All you need is a phone. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, that definitely helps us access the unbanked and the sorry, the underbanked. But now we're even going deeper into the on um, the unbanked. And what we're, the way we're doing that is we're partnering with a lot of the agency banks. Mm -hmm. And so we're building products that help the agency banks give out loans. Mm -hmm. So when I mean agency banks, I mean those guys you see with the POS. Yes, yes. Those guys are the real power box of the unbanked. Because if you, if you ask um, most people, um, that's who they do their transactions with. That's one who, where most Nigerians go to buy data that's why they, that's where they pay for most of their services mm -hmm. so if you can work with those guys and build some very very cool products and understand how to build credit related products for them you can definitely change the game um we've partnered with about six agency banks now um we're about to close with about 11 
um, you know, our first partnership with Kudi saw hundred percent month on month growth uh, in its first six months. Uh, now we're doing roughly about two billion a month with that, and we plan to be doing two billion a day sometime next year. Oh, wow. So in, in loan disbursement. So if you really want to tackle the underbanked and the unbanked, um, sure, the mobile phone and the mobile app is cool. But you know what we're seeing with mobile phone lending is that because there's so many mobile apps coming out now, mm -hmm. and a lot of them aren't risk management focused, mm -hmm. um, it's leading to a deterioration of loan quality. Mm -hmm. And so everyone is just out there, all the, you know, hey, I'm a digital bank, get loans for free, get um, transfers for free. Banking is banking; you still have to bank to make money. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're gonna give everything out for free and think that at some point you can start charging people, it's going to really affect the core model. So you have to build. So we don't believe in that. We believe in building core products that can, you know, that can be socially responsible and benefit people, mm -hmm. but still make us make us a buck. Okay. Yeah. Cool change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, we saw that the loan approval timeline is five, five minutes, yeah. you said? So, Even um, less. I have a couple of questions, yeah. right? First question is how? Um, how it's simple. It's all digitized. Uh, you come in, you put your BVN in, you know, we run your data through our systems, basically. So uh, you don't have to do any specific background checks? What about? Everything can be done instantly. So, so how does that? How so does we're integrated into credit bureaus. We're integrated. You've given us access to your bank verification number. Okay. Uh, you've given us uh, access, you know, real time by giving us your BVN and approving certain things. You've given us access to your bank details. You've given us access to your phone details. So all this can be run instantly in less than one minute to create a unique credit score. So the person you. actually needs their, a BVN at least. At least for that system, yes, to get okay. a loan. Now, we're building other systems, like I said, partnering with agents and all that. You might not need a BVN, some you might need an NIN, mm, but you okay. definitely need some kind of identity verification to get it. Yeah, like yeah. even in the US, you need a social security number. At least. At least. And, and you know, that's not because we want to exclude people, it's just because we, we need to know, we need to get our money back. And so the first step is to know that we are who you are. Okay, support. I'm glad you said you need to get your money back because yeah. I wanted to ask about debt recovery. Yep. Is it also as easy? to give them to get it back uh getting it back is very hard like <laughs> so you really have to try to put the right processes in place to give it to the right people right um you're gonna lose money especially when you're a digital lender and especially in in the nitta age where you really just can't contact people uh, you, you know you have to be very wary of either contacting people or contacting their contacts um you know you have to try and put in an ethical recovery process we have fired people in-house because we just, um, you know, some of them are overzealous. They wanted to get their collections back. Now, I'm not even going to lie to you. A lot of those unethical processes work because a lot of people don't like getting shamed. Yeah. And so if you shame people, there's a higher chance they will repay. Shame works in Nigeria. Oh, yeah, shame. Oops, pardon my French. But yeah, shame works. <laughs> but, um, if, you know, if, if you're trying to build a brand and, you know, keep a brand name, you, you can't play that whole shame game. But it does work, you know. So the question is, you just have to be better at credit scoring. Okay. So what specific structures do you have in place for debt recovery? Uh, yeah, we have a collections team in-house. So uh, what do they do? What, what, how they do make, they... You know, I guess, you know, 
debt recovery comes in, in various phases. First, you've given us access to your accounts, mm -hmm. depending on the kind of products you're using with us. So you can give us access to your bank account where we can debit your account. You can give access to a card where we can debit the card. So those are the first two lines of debt recovery. The easiest and the best lines of debt recovery are through chargebacks. Right. Uh, the, the, so, you know, the last line of defense is always people, right? You know, you have to contact people. Um, you know, you have to try to send them messages and all those are, you know, but those are the last lines. The, the best lines are the ones where you understand someone's income mm -hmm. and you give them a loan that fits into that income. And then every month you take enough that doesn't hamper their lifestyle. So have you seen during this pandemic period that a lot more people have been defaulting on their... You know, people are back to, you know, things are getting better. But yeah, at the peak of the pandemic last year, it, was, it, was, it wasn't great. You know, it was, it was, we definitely sourced a period of huge defaults that piled yeah. on. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people paid back. You know, we worked with a lot of people. We sat down, you know. Uh, people just send us messages, pandemic, you know, and we help restructure some loans okay. and, you know, that then and that was fine. Okay. You know, so we got All through right. that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we saw that the app offers more than just loans. You offer um, investment opportunities, insurance, among other things, right? Um, my question is, what is the easiest or and the hardest um, services that you've had to, like, manage? Uh, you know, so our app, we like to think of it as a super app. Uh, so, you know, I think the hardest thing would be insurance. Uh, we, we, okay. uh, we sell, we, we resell insurance products for some of the top insurance, you know, so we built like this very unique uh, insurance marketplace so where you can go put in information and then, you know, you can buy an insurance plan at mm -hmm. a low price. Um, so, um, I think insurance is hard, you know, I think a lot of people just don't buy into retail insurance. I think most people that are insured in this country are insured through their companies. I think uh, government's going to have to do, a, you know, the government's going to have to take a bigger role in trying to mandate people get some okay, sort of insurance. insurance. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's been one of our most passionate projects. You know, we definitely, and, you know, we. I'm not going to say we haven't scaled it, you know, we've we at least have over 35,000 users on the insurance platform. So, um, but you know, it's, it's been a hard one. You know, we've had to give out things like 30 day free insurance. We had to do things like monthly insurance plans that nobody else does in the market. So mm -hmm. you can pay monthly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're looking at things whereby if you, do, you, you know, you don't use your insurance plan, you don't lose it, we'll give you your money back, we'll eat that loss. So I can say insurance is one of those little projects that we've lost money on. But, you know, we're very excited about getting Nigerians insured, especially in this time of the pandemic. Another one is wallets. Uh, our wallets product is, we, we love that. You know, we give um, daily interest. So every day you can see your interest just piling up in your right. wallet. You know, and all this is powered by our microfinance bank. Uh, you know, that's also a subsidiary of our company. Uh -huh. um, you know, so, um, yeah, so wallets, you know, piling up. Um, and then you know the insurance uh then we have peer-to-peer -peer transfers transfers are free for people users within the app so you can borrow money and then send it to someone else and that'll be free so you know a lot of you know cool innovative products that we're, we're working on um, um and you know those are things that excite us so was it a no-brainer for you to go super app right off the bat or has it always been super app right off the bat and why so many things why why didn't why didn't you specialize uh, we started with specialization, okay. but you know, when we hit a million users, we, you know, we, we started thinking, what can we sell to these people, right? Like, what, what can we, what, how can we make our users happier, right? right. Well, you know, like, hey, uh, why are they spending so much on healthcare? So, you know, if you track the spend habits, you can see some people are borrowing money, their uses, they'll tell you they're using it for uh, drugs, and you'll be like, all right, why spend 
uh, 10k on drugs when you can get a 2k insurance plan that covers malaria yeah. and everything else. So. Okay. So, um, in terms of the investment opportunity side of the service offering, we saw that and I, we didn't quite understand what it was. And I, I think know, I, I don't really look at it as an investment per se. I just we just help our users. Um, so a lot of people will leave cash in our wallets, and if you leave cash in our wallets or you want to save with our with our app, you know you can, right? So, okay. Uh, so. You know, we just give you a chance to earn interest on the money because we're earning it. So that's the investment opportunity. Okay, so that's why you say you have 26%. Exactly. So, you you know, you can earn up 26% just leaving your money sitting in our wallet. Okay. So, um, stuff like that. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was going to ask about hedging, but because it's just a gaining a current interest type of investment as opposed to an actual risk oh yeah, yeah exactly so, so, it's, yeah, so yeah. it's no risk yeah so if you want to do that we have a separate entity for that a microfinance bank and all that but then that's not marketed yeah, to yeah. the same people yeah that. exactly so our users are what we market to our users who are uh, more more of our users are coming to get loans from us and not actually invest so we have other products for investors okay. that don't want to come in so I'm going to take a step back from the actual company. I want to talk, well, it's still the company, but I want to talk about back-end financing, just kind of like from the inception till now. I wanted to ask you, when you were setting it up, did you find it to be like a very capital-intensive venture? Um, you know, yes and no. Uh, you know, there's definitely your friends and family around. Uh, got money from some family members. Yeah. Uh, got some money from friends, ex-friends, current friends, you know, business is just always hard. Like, so, um, so you know, it's, it's a mix. It's a mix and, uh, and match of things. But I'd say, I, I just give some advice to people who are trying to start businesses. And I, I'm so happy that the funding landscape in Nigeria has changed, where people can now go into accelerators like Y Combinator, which we did later, uh, to get proper valuation, proper guidance on raising capital, raise up fair valuations. You know, I, I, I don't subscribe to extremely high valuations, but I, I subscribe to enough that keeps the founders motivated. Okay. Uh, because when we started, we definitely sold a lot of the company. Um, okay. um, and then we got to get a lot of the company back because a lot of investors just didn't believe in what we're trying to build. And, you okay. know, we have and, actually, and when they were selling it back to you, did they sell it back to you like as, you know, one to one or? Yeah, you'd get like two to one, three okay, to one, you okay. know, but you know, they got something back, they got okay. some kind of return back, you know, I think most investors are in for two, three years and get scared and, you know, fintech is something that, you know, at that point in time, before the whole fintech wave in 2020 and the pay stack acquisition, I think a lot of people were just like, man, all this tech stuff is, you know, is it going to really pan out, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, there was a lot of cold feet, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and then we are a business that continuously tries new things so we do things like we're integrated with uh decentralized finance companies to raise capital mm-hmm. um we you know we've we have different capital raising mechanics um we've done a bond we've, we've done various things to raise financing um yeah. not just traditional equity even though we have traditional equity investors vy capital from Sanfran. we have some the standard some silicon valley names and the rest in our company but you know we are building a business for an IPO, so uh, you know we still have a timeline. You know. Okay. Uh, what's we, the, what's so what's the timeline? Uh, you when know, do you I'd think say we give our, the market. We, we we really launched in 2017. Okay. And so I always say, hey, 
six years from 2017 so you know so that's how i look at it like 2023 is always is, that is close is, i know right like but you that know, is very close and that's why you have to build for scale and build for mm you know product market fit so when you find that product that can give you that 50 percent 100 percent revenue growth uh month on month mm-hmm. then you're then you're on it like a lot of people are just out there and they might just see oh this is hot and they'll just copy that product mm-hmm. but you have to really think about the market i think the experience we have garnered in this market uh, from being pioneers to learning the hard way. We've learned so much, you know, we've, we've done all the accelerators, YC 500, we've, you know, we've been in key, you know, we've learned so much that even on the credit scoring and a lot of our ex people have gone on to work for companies like Trade uh, Depot that just raised 110 million. Uh, some are Kuda now, mm-hmm. uh, leading on the, uh, their lending teams. A lot of people have been, you know, have left us to do other things, you know. So, um, you know, we, our experience, our wealth of knowledge is, is un- unsurmounted. And that's going to help us reach where we're going. I feel yeah. like you should take up a course and teach people <laughs> how to hammer with tech. <laughs> <laughs> well, hammer, that's a good one. <laughs> I wish it was hammer. Yeah, okay, so um, what would the main challenges that you faced and are probably still facing when it comes to raising capital? Um, I guess the main challenge you face when you start off is credibility, right? Okay. Uh, people always tell you, hit this milestone, hit that milestone. Um, and then by the time you hit all those milestones, they're like, oh, you're too old. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, you know, one thing I'll give every aspiring founder out there is mystery always sells. Don't be too much of an open book. Okay. I, I think coming from investment banking, um, being on Wall Street for years, um, running two investment banks and all, um, I think I'm, we are so used to overanalyzing. We do the pitch decks that show the formulas, the numbers, the growth rates, the KGAS, the IRRs. You know, and tech is a whole different game. Tech is selling vision. Tech, right. tech is selling mystery. Tech is selling opportunity. How big can this thing really get? versus banking or versus investment banking or just a regular business that um, is selling to the, the, the discounted cash flow, you know, and just trying to find out what is the valuation of this business. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think tech investors are on the same way. Like, how big can this get? You know, is this a world-changing idea? And it took a while. And, you know, I think once I got bitten by the bug of, you know, we're just not thinking about our daily numbers and our profits every right, day. We're just right. we're thinking about how big can Bigger this get? Can we build something that can actually change this country, change this world, um, that can change finance as we know it? We started taking a lot more risks and it got a lot more fun, you know. <laughs> fun for you. Yeah, you know, it's crazy, <laughs> but when you are doing things that no one else is doing that sound crazy, you know, it's a lot more exciting, you know, like if you wanted to just do what everybody's doing, just put on a suit and tie and just sit behind a desk. But we want to build something that's, that's going to, you know, be remembered for all time. And it's going to make that difference. And I think we've been doing that so far. Okay, so what would be like the number one, the first thing that you would say to someone who's trying to build what you've built? The first thing, the one thing, like point number one. Um, get some, get some experience, you know, work somewhere, uh, okay. either work at a company, work at a tech startup or work at a company and, you know, you know, just get some experience, get some real world experience. How I would think. that help? It just lets you have some kind of a base and I, I'm not, you, you should start off as early as possible. So there's a two edged sword, like start off as early and as young as possible, but at least get some baseline experience. Okay. Um, but then what, if the idea comes to you, 
and it, you know then you should you should start off as early as possible and learn the hard way you okay. know and you know don't be scared of failure man like you know it's it, tech is all about you know you learn the most from the failures you learn the most from the broken relationships you learn the most from the you know the tough days you know but that's where you really do most of the learning and you know accept them take the hits take the lessons and you know don't care what people say just keep building you know mm-hmm. keep scaling okay mm-hmm. so um we're a law firm so we always have to ask legislation obviously it's happened in lots of different industries where people come with tech innovations and then there's a change in legislation that kind of either causes them to break down, shut down, or they have to completely pivot. Has that happened to you at all throughout um, your, because you said you guys have probably started since 2017 until now. Has that actually happened to you? Yeah, when we kicked off, I think, you know, everyone said all you needed was a moneylender's license. Oh, okay. And then over a while, everyone said, oh, you had to get like some kind of microfinance bank license, which a lot of us went to do. Uh, And, you know, depending on the kind of products you were trying to build, a lot of us wanted to build remittance products, we couldn't. A lot of us wanted to build uh, cryptocurrency power products because of just the love that you have for crypto and we believe it's going to really change this country. Right, yeah. uh, you can't. Um, we were approached by a lot of the guys um, doing that, like um, the stockbroking thing to sell US stocks because of all our users. You know, but I was like, no, I'm not even ready to get anything to piss off the regulators. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you can't even sell US stocks because of, you can't. People sell them, they sell them here in Nigeria. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know Absolutely. anyone that's actually doing that? Yeah, bamboo app and all that. You can bamboo. Buy, yeah, yeah. You can buy US stocks on some of those. On those on I would actually. Re- I'm really interested to find out how they manage to clear the regulatory hurdles. Yeah, I think SEC that. has released some kind of framework, and yeah, exactly because you're right. In the laws, it says that you actually have to. Uh, any stock of a company are selling in Nigeria to Nigerians must have some kind of Nigerian. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not spoil anybody. No, but yeah, exactly. So, um, but you know, they're doing what they have to do, right? You know, you 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 disrupt and then you beg for forgiveness. Um, people want the product and they're gonna get it some way. So okay. why not build regulation around it? Like you know, a lot of these things, no one thought about it when they wrote those regulations because there was no digital trading. That you know. And things are constantly changing, so I think our regulators, some are working hard, but you know they have to stay on the ball. And mm-hmm. you know, they, I understand why they, you know, they had to ban crypto. You do? Yeah, because they didn't understand it, and they don't want it to run to get too, you know, over their heads before they try to pull rein it in. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't necessarily agree. I think, you know, I, th- you know, and then also then they went ahead and launched the E Naira, which I feel like should be floated in some sort of way to really. I see the E Naira as a way for the country to one raise capital. Um, there's a lot we can do with it. You know, it can get even. There's a lot of interest in crypto and a country back in a crypto that is decentralized and it's allowed to free float. Um, could be a very very interesting thing and it could allow free, allow free trade across mm-hmm. african countries i know they have that bigger vision and i hope they can execute on it yeah. but who knows um so all these regulations are good but i guess we need people on the other side and it's all about intentions right, right. Like, what are the intentions of the regulators and you know do they want more disruption to come do they want more uh 
more people to make a difference. Tech has done more for this economy in the last couple of years than a lot of other industries have. And so I think they should support it, they should protect it, you know, and it shouldn't be such a hard-handed approach. Yeah. And I don't, to be honest, I don't think our regulators are super hard-handed, like in terms of, in relation to a lot of other countries I've been to, um, I don't think, you know, I think our regulators have been working with people and have been working with startups, so, you know, they get some kudos on that. Like, it can't be all bad, some things they've yeah. done wrong, some things they've done right, and that's just life, you yeah. know, we all learn, and, you know, you should just keep improving. Okay, so, um, assuming you are speaking to your government representative right now, mm. imagine that I'm your government representative, I'm not, but imagine that I am, and you wanted to kind of express what would be the best incentive so like something that you've thought about is like you know what if the government can do this for me if they can provide this type of incentive for me it would literally change the entire face of what it is that i'm doing right now what what would you say that is especially based on like what it is that you do here i hear a lot of that and if you ask most tax funders, you hear a lot of oh, pioneer tax status. A lot yeah. of people want like everybody wants that some kind of pioneer tax status, tax free yeah. tax holiday. I, I really don't want anything from the government. Okay. I think maybe on the healthcare side, the government needs to step in. Okay. Um, I think the government could help with some kind of mandate to require health insurance. I think the government could help push it, and I think it's coming from a. But I look at America, and I don't know about mandatory health insurance. But then you look at the UK and there's, there's mandatory and some sort of... I mean, no, it's not... It's, it's not mandatory. mandatory. It's not mandatory. It's like, it's more but the social government is, is social. Than... Yeah, and so we have to we have to find the mix, right? Right. Yeah, uh, the social capitalist way to make it work. Like, um... We are not a social capitalist <laughs> society in any way. <laughs> you know, but we are. You know, if you look at a lot of our policies, it's like that. And so, yeah. 200 million people. Um, how do we get these 200 million people to have health insurance you know we're going to be one of the largest countries in the world uh, we're going to be probably like the fourth fifth most populous country in the world in like the last next 30 years and there are going to be more diseases that will come like of covid so how do we get people wrapped in some kind of health insurance framework because prevention is better than cure mm -hmm. um so you know i think so you're telling me apart from tax holidays and health insurance there's no other fiscal incentive that you can think of right now that would really change the game for you know we would say money but you know like that ship has sailed <laughs> like you know because you could always say oh yeah more startup funding more building more ecosystem friendly uh, societies like like a silicon valley like a mm. yabacon valley uh, like making sure the universities, the businesses, there's some kind of interaction. But is that really coming from the government? I don't know. Is it, you know, the government can put the building blocks in place, but who knows? Like, I can't answer that. Like, that's why in Nigeria you can't rely on the government. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just, just pray that the government's there for you. Like, pray that they, they do their part. But if they don't, you'll be ready to do your part, right? So, yeah. And that's it. Like, um, I. To say, oh, I want something from the government, or founders want something from the government. Founders just want a clear path. They just want yeah. the government to just clear Some the sort of stability yeah, just, in just, order just, for them to know that exactly. like, my 10-year plan, I, move. Exactly. I don't have to factor in Nigeria factor into exactly. my 10-year plan. Just, just environment, just the working environment. We don't, you know, we don't, most people in Nigeria, we, they provide their own gens, they provide <laughs> their own security, everything. So 
They're like, yo, go fix all that stuff. Don't worry, don't worry about us. We'll be alright. We'll be fine. Just put everything else in place. Yeah. I will we'll, take it from there. I won't take it from there. Alright, cool. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we've come to the end of the Q&A session. I right. hope that was nice and painless. It was pretty quick, actually. Mm. Quick and painless. Okay. So we are moving into the second part of... Oh, second part. The, yes, there is a second part. Um, and I didn't tell you because people <laughs> always want to check it out after they hear about the second part. Oh, but um, it's basically called Spin the Wheel. So I will show you our little Spin the Wheel. So we have this little Spin the Wheel app right here and when you click on it we spin and it lands on one of these categories and we get to ask you any of the questions that we've put together under each category so are you you game let's go cool okay so we'll spin the wheel now yeah it is there's an app for everything Would you rather? So (laughs) the question is, would you rather go to the past and meet your ancestors or go to the future and meet your great grandchildren? Ooh. (laughs) Uh, I'm in tech, so the answer is the future. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Predictable. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the answer is the future. Yeah. yeah but, oh, ancestors. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, tell them, hey, <laughs> buy <laughs> Apple, Google, everything. Yeah, but then I wouldn't be me, so it would change the future. So yeah, that's the sci-fi and me talking right there. Very um, dystopian, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, so it definitely would be the future. You know, just be yeah. like, just try to to see what the world has become not, not you know, even to influence anything just yeah to just to say hey you know i, I believe but no specifically like it's asking to meet your grandchildren so not necessarily to see whether we're flying and whether we're no 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 <laughs> specifically to meet what little what your little ones have produced yeah would you yeah. not be scared i would be so scared because what if all my work has been squandered <laughs> it doesn't matter i don't think we can control that i think you know we do our part and we leave the rest you know and that's why even the past it's like if you went to the past and told them hey do this you would change the course of history mm-hmm. in in so many forms you'd be like hey man uh, just do this put your money here <laughs> it's like, no so the future just because you know, you want you just want to see how the world has advanced. Yeah, you're seeing your kids, but you're also seeing them on their in their flying cars. Exactly. So <laughs> or hoping that Nigeria now has twenty four hour power. Ooh, exactly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but you know the answer to that is I, I want to see if we 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 you know solar energy has improved and my kids are in a place where uh, the same way we bypassed with technology on, on, on cell phones yeah. and we don't need the national grid for phones and there are no landlines. Mm-hmm. Same way we're going to do that with solar power for our regular power systems. So. Are you not scared that like, and I know I'm definitely all for past, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm asking you questions <laughs> to kind of like challenge your future. Please go ahead. No, but in my mind, I'm like, if you think about global warming and things like that, like, are you not scared that you're, it's looking away? Right, so it, it might be a waste of a journey because it might not be yeah, but then there to Picture see. if you told them, hey, global warming, no plastics, no this, no that, no that. Then maybe they can't create the iPad and they can't go to space and this can't happen just because of what no, you did. No, I'm not going to go back and tell them to die. stop. I would go back to like, kind of experience the past, 
and, and maybe chill. like chill with them right and just like hear some stories my mind is not necessarily to like make more money or make life I don't think better. I would enjoy it. you don't have to go I like, back to I like, like hotels you don't need a mission like, nothing is over I like air conditioning a little too much so I think I'll pass on that you'll pass on that <laughs> I don't want to sleep in no uh, tent in no tent exactly <laughs> hot. I think I'm going to pass on that I, this is not burning man so I think I'm going to pass on that exactly yeah. alright cool okay mm. so um, you get a second one mm. we always do two I mean this one was a good one right. people usually get things like help desk <laughs> but <laughs> um, but we'll do a second spin sure watch it land on help desk sports yeah right. I had so another guest a, like literally go he went on sports and he shouted let's go I know. <laughs> what do you think has been the importance of Nigerian boxers like Anthony Joshua and Kamaru Usman in boosting the morale of Nigerians in Nigeria and Nigerians in diaspora? <laughs> <laughs> um, my answer is morale. Nigerians will boost their own morale. And, you know, I don't think they need Anthony Joshua or Kamaya Usman to boost it. You know, we're always proud of when our people do well. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. I don't think we need Kamaya Usman to boost our... Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Like, And Anthony Joshua is not the right example. He's been losing a lot. Of, losing I mean, a lot no, of it's not about... It's not about but it's whether he's see. winning or losing. It's representation. It's kind of uh, like... Yeah, we're always happy to see how people do yeah, well. Yeah, we, we, we claim our people even though we've done nothing for them. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, but I, I don't. No, I don't think it boosts anyone's morale. I, I think it's it, you know we're happy to see how people do well, but Nigerians will always find a way to. We'll be fine. Yeah. We move. Now music, yes, that boosts Nigerians morale. If you hear Nigerians talk about music, like <laughs> yeah, like they're artists, they're very very <laughs> passionate. They might as well have been the yeah, one exactly. doing the concert but themselves. I think yeah, uh, the Usman Usman is definitely it. Yeah. Um, 100% Nigerian went to the States so yeah there's definitely a lot of sense of pride with him too mm-hmm. uh, Joshua yes but you know British British molded would, so. you, would you not say would you not say that even though it kind of boosts morale it kind of makes you feel like yo there's nothing for me and <laughs> In Nigeria? No not necessarily there's nothing for me but it's just like why do we have to leave to you know Oh to to it um that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> why do we have to leave today? Because if someone makes it in Nigeria, people are just like, cool. But but right? the truth is, people people make it here. Like, yeah, they do. But no one ever like. It's guys, not a big thing, right? And it, it's just us. It's it's us. It's for us by us. We have to make things work. Like so, music is a good one. Music all made here. They made their first bunch of hits here yeah. before. Even when. On, then they took it there and then forced it down their throats and I think sports is the same way like right. you know you kind of hone your base talents here and then you can go there so you know you can make it here it's just the environment and, and, and when you ask what can the government do that's what the government can do all we require from the government is for them to pave the way and clear the way so I think motivation um, is not from Kamaru Usman or Anthony Joshua the go, you know if the government paves the way and creates a conducive environment, we're gonna create. We're gonna have a million Anthony Joshuas and a million Kanus and a million Wiz kids, and, and they just have to, you know, invest in education. But you need talent to be a Wiz kid. No, it's I not by government. We have man. a lot of naturally talented people <laughs> in multiple things. You know, like people run to catch. You know, people. You see people even on the road running for the, to catch yeah. the bus. Yeah, yeah. That dude could do a hundred meters. <laughs> you represent this country. You see the kids playing football. Yeah. And so, if they were proper. 
places that just harness that talent. And people encourage it. Yeah, and you know, look at it with tech. Yeah. Like now, how many people have raised Nigeria? We've raised billions of dollars. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. it's opened the doors, the gatekeepers. It's 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 allowed people to bypass the gatekeepers, mm -hmm. and so that's a beautiful thing. It is you know? a beautiful thing. Uh -huh, so. That's all how we right. Should look at it. All right. Cool. So we've come to the end of the interview, mm -hmm. the entire podcast. You got through it without a hitch. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so made it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for it's coming been a pleasure. on. Been Hopefully, a pleasure. the next time we call you on, you know, it will be at our studio so that we can like wash you a bit the way we. That's good. Those. Just let me know. Let me know yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. You'll you'll Anytime. come like three or four times. You'll be a friend of <laughs> no, the podcast. Not all. Yeah, but you know, let me know anytime. Yeah, man. Okay. Always happy to do this. Um, awesome. Always happy to tell our story. Always yeah. happy to to help in any way I can. So plug in, like, tell us how work. How can you know the people you know access Isla? Talk to us about. Oh yeah, download our app uh, on the Play Store. It's A E L L A. Uh, that's A E L L A Ella app. Uh, you know. And if you are an agency bank out there or you are invested in an agency bank and you need capital or you are a business uh, that needs, um, that sells products to uh, people and you need some kind of buy now, pay later engine, we also provide that. We provide that for Tizetti. Uh, that's the internet company. So their customers uh, can get internet without paying because we'll just all give them credit for uh, 30 to 60 days. Um, so uh, we have a lot of products and you know so if you have a business out there and you're looking for a buy now pay later engine or you know or you just you know want to download an app to pay your bills make transfers put money in the wallet you know buy health insurance you know we have a million we have something for everyone so a e l l a download the app okay and if the people that want to kind of collaborate and do the other stuff you know you yeah, yeah shoot us an email support at lacredit.com you know if you want to collaborate you know shoot us an email you know Ahead of uh, partnerships, and you know, we're very happy to jump in, very happy to help. Um, come correct, I will be correct right back at you. So. This is ever since creating synergies. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the siren, there's lights. <laughs> it's just now at the end that they bring lights. <laughs> I know you have to do that part. Yeah, I'm like that. It's okay, it's okay. I like it, it brings character. We're okay. nice, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, good. thank you so much for coming on the show. Pleasure's All mine. Right. Pleasure's mine. Awesome. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Eversage Law Practice. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Weekly Nugget. Join us next week as we continue to discuss the tech industry and its impact on financial transactions in Nigeria. Until then, continue to strive for greatness and have an impactful week.